Hear the word of God from Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version and can be found on page 825 in the Pew Bible. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. So as this woman is dropping her final two coins, into the treasury box of the temple. I wonder if she was thinking to herself, for the next 2,000 years, preachers are going to use me (laughs) to talk to their congregations about money. I am forever going to be the poster child for pledge cards. Because that's what we've turned this woman into. Preachers like me, we've all done it. If we want to talk to our congregation about turning in a commitment card, we tell this woman's story. If we want to try to convince our folks that no donation is too small, then we just tell them this woman gave all that she had, just two little copper coins, a dollar eighty in today's currency, and it made enough of an impression to impress Jesus. I suspect that one day there's going to be in heaven this woman doing a meet and greet, (laughs) and the line will go miles long of grateful preachers who want to thank her. (laughs) Except, I wonder if there's more to this story. That's the question that I was compelled by this past week. You may have read my midweek message. It dawned on me that there may be something else, maybe even something more important going on in this story than just this amazing, faithful woman giving everything she had. What if we focused for a minute not so much on the woman, but on what Jesus was doing? And it's there, as we watch what Jesus is doing, that we discover something absolutely remarkable, which is that Jesus even noticed her at all. I mean, Mark would remind us that what's happening in this setting is that there's a lot going on. This was a crowded moment in the temple, lots of hustle, lots of bustle, lots of noise, lots of religious officials wearing loud, garish religious costumes like 
robes, drawing all sorts of attention to themselves, spotlight-grabbing, headline-grabbing kinds of activities. I mean, if you and I were there, people watching with Jesus, it is very possible that we would have been fixating on them, on all the noise and activity and hubbub of the moment, but not Jesus. This is what's remarkable, that somehow Jesus was able to hone in his vision and focus on one thing that was happening that everyone else would have missed, the act of God's grace at work in the life of an inconspicuous little woman. And everyone else would have missed it, but not Jesus. That's what's remarkable to me. I mean, this wouldn't be the only time in the Gospels that Jesus did this. Jesus had a knack for noticing what was widely ignored. One day, we remember that Jesus was there on a hillside, and there was thousands of hungry people starving for food, but Jesus somehow noticed a little possibility of grace in the form of a little boy's lunch, just a handful of loaves and a couple fish. One day he was walking through Jericho, and there was a huge crowd of people that were pressing in on him. Everyone else would have focused on the huge crowd, but not Jesus. Jesus noticed a short little man up on a sycamore tree named Zacchaeus, and he made eye contact with that man, and by the time that day was over, his life was transformed. Over and over and over again, Jesus would notice the little things, what we might call glimpses of grace, a mustard seed, a little grain of wheat, a little sparrow in the air, lilies blooming in the field. And Jesus had a remarkable way, not just of seeing things, but envisioning possibilities of light in the midst of darkness, grace in the midst of despair. It's been said that there's a difference between sight and vision. Sight is a function of the eyes. All of us, most of us, have that quality. But vision is a function of faith. Sight focuses on the obvious, on the superficial, the distractedness. But vision cuts through all the noise and enables us to see those things that would otherwise be ignored. Sight might focus on the trouble both outside us and within us. But vision enables us to capture the subtle, the simple, the readily available, the constant presence of grace, even, even just a glimpse. And I have to say, as amazing as this poor widow was in her sacrifice, I am just as amazed at Jesus' ability to focus on things that we would otherwise miss that would nourish us. Because the truth of the matter is this, I mean, I don't know what kind of week you've had. I can just assume the burdens that you and I have been carrying over these last weeks and months, the hardships that we've experienced both inside us and in our relationships and in the country and in the world. But here's the reality. In every single moment, all throughout the day, we believe that God is active and present and loving us, pouring out upon us little glimpses of grace at every single moment. And, and, and when we're aligned with God's vision, 
we might be able to capture it here and there. But wouldn't it be better if we could capture those glimpses even more regularly? Maybe you've had those glimpses of grace in your life. Maybe you've never thought of it that way, but if you've ever gotten a text message from a friend who offers you a word of encouragement, who doesn't even know what you're going through, but that little word is exactly what you needed to hear in that moment, that's a glimpse of grace. That social media post that sort of appeared on your news feed that caught you at just the right time with just the right words that helped soothe the despair within your soul, that, that was a glimpse of grace too. That phone call or that personal visit with a loved one or a special friend who was able to listen to the depth of your soul and enable you to, to have what it takes to make it through just that day, one day at a time, that was a glimpse of grace too. And the reality is, God is giving us those glimpses all the time. And wouldn't it be great if we could see them more regularly? Not with just our sight but with vision, the kind of vision that Jesus had in that moment. Well, I want to give you a couple of practical ways that you might train your soul, the eyes of your soul, to see with that kind of vision. This, this list of four, there's nothing terribly complicated or profound. In fact, they're all pretty simple, pretty easy to get your eyes on. The first one is simply this. When you see a glimpse of God during the day, write it down. I mean, intuitively, that's a pretty easy one to understand. Whenever we want to remember something, right, we, we, we want to write it down. In fact, I find myself having to write down more things as the years go by. If you want to remember an item for your grocery list, write it down. If you want to remember something on your to-do list or your checklist, write it down. What if we did that with our glimpses of God, our glimpses of grace? For when we see something that gives us just the encouragement we need, how about, for example, writing it down on an index card and taping it to our bathroom mirror, or writing it on a post-it note and sticking it on our fridge? One person I know of even has created something called a memory jar, where they've taken an empty jar and right next to it set a stack of little slips of paper. And every time they get a glimpse of grace, they write it on a slip of paper, the day and the time that it happened, and then they stick it in the jar. And what they have then created is a kind of reservoir of God's history of activity so that when those inevitable days come, when things get really dark and difficult, all this person has to do is reach in and pull out a handful of these slips of paper and remember, God has been active in my life before, and God is active right now. I just have to watch for it. If you want to do something a little more technological to keep with the technology of the day, number two might be for you. Record it digitally. I don't know how the disciples did this before these things were invented, but it's very possible. Oh, look at that. I'm getting a text message right now from somebody. That's really awkward. Sometimes... Sometimes these things can be distractions, but is it possible that God has given us these things for good? How about the next time you see a glimpse of God's grace, you 
just take a little photo of it. Keep it reserved. You get enough of these photos, you can create an album or even a slideshow on your computer or on your phone so that the next time you need a reminder that you are not alone or that you feel engulfed by the chaos of the world or feel drowned by whatever is going on inside you, you just have to thumb through what God has been doing and you can see it for yourself. Or this one, number three. If, if writing it down may not be for you or taking a photo, how about actually creating an object, creating a memorial? If you're a poet, write a poem. If you're a songwriter, write a song. If you're a woodworker, create a wooden thing. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a, an accountant, make a database or something. Or, or this, at the very least, pick up some rocks. That's what God told the Israelites to do many times in the Old Testament. When the Israelites felt down and out, when they felt at the end of their rope, when God would save them, like delivering them into the promised land or helping them defeat some foe, over and over again, God would say this, collect some rocks. Pick up 12 of them, one for each of the tribes of Israel, and create an altar, a visible reminder of what happened on this day in this place so that years from now you could go back here, see those rocks, and remember. And in fact, I've done that. Six years ago, I was going through a particularly difficult time in my life. Felt like I was kind of at the end of many different ropes, and there was one day where unmistakably I felt God at work and there were signs of hope. And during, during that morning devotional, I read the story about the Israelites and so it compelled me to go outside in the one border edge of my property and pick up 12 little stones. And, and that's what I made is a little 12-stoned pile of rocks. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever made in my life. I stuck it on my desk and there it sat for weeks and weeks because inevitably there were other tough days to come. But then when I'd go back into my study and see that pile of rocks, I would remember the glimpse of God's grace. In fact, I, eventually that little altar kind of fell apart and I put the stones away, and, but I took a picture of it. And every now and then I will use that photo as wallpaper on my phone to remember the glimpses of God's grace that are all around us. I mean, the fourth one is pretty simple. If you want to remember it, share it. Tell that story of what God has done in your life with a loved one or a family member or a friend or some kind of spiritual influence because as we share these stories together, together as a community, we create this giant repository of reminders of what God has done in our lives, and that together we can feed into the glories of what God is doing. Now, no, none of these four are very profound. They're not complicated, but you know what? If you practice at least one of them every single day, what will happen is the muscles of your soul will enable you to see with greater vision what God is doing with more regularity. 
over time, you'll be able to notice things that God is doing that you will otherwise miss. And what will happen is you will be sustained for the journey ahead. And that's what compels me to share my glimpses of grace with you all. As a pastor here, you can imagine there are highs and lows of ministry, highs and lows of life, but every now and then, you get a glimpse of God's grace that we just need to share. And one such glimpse is in the form of a story that I have not been able to forget since I experienced it over these past several weeks. I want to tell you a story about a man named Michael. Michael grew up in a country uh, in the other side of the world where it was not typically understood that people were Christian. One day, as Michael was on the internet, he found out about this religion called Christianity and started to befriend a few folks online who were trying to tell him about this person named Jesus. Again, he was growing up in a country where as he developed this interest, even just an interest in Christianity, he was living in a community, a part of the world, where he could potentially be subject to persecution. But he couldn't shake this growing hunger to learn more about Jesus. His parents, recognizing this and recognizing the potential risk he was getting involved in, did a remarkable thing. They purchased a one-way ticket for him to come to this country. And the belief that he was, if he was going to learn more about Christianity, he needed to do it in a place where he would be much freer to do so. So last September, the last week in September, he landed in Washington, D.C. After a few days of living there and asking questions. He didn't quite find what he was looking for, anybody to tell him about what it meant to be a Christian or what it meant to follow Jesus. So, he managed to get another flight. This time, he flew to Florida, landed in Orlando, spent a couple days in Orlando, still couldn't find any way to explore this growing interest in the Christian faith. And eventually, he wound up in, of all places, downtown Tampa. He started staying for a few nights at one of our local hostels. And the owner of that hostel struck up a conversation with him, got to know him a little bit. And when, when she found out about Michael's amazing quest, she said to him, why don't you check out the portico. This person, this hostel owner, has no official relationship with us, no formal understanding, but, but knew something about the portico, our, our downtown ministry, that remarkable place that attracts unconventional, attracts spiritually seeking people who are not interested in conventional ways of doing church, who would never really want to step foot on a campus like this one, but she knew that the portico may be the place for a person like Michael. Over these past 20 months, 
We've had upwards of 11,000 people who have stepped foot on that campus to experience God's love through an event space gathering or through the cafe who have been drawn to some experience of God's love. And that included Michael. He walked over there and eventually got to talking with Justin and got to talking with me. And slowly that itch began to be scratched. And last October 14th, just a few weeks ago, Sunday night at the portico, Michael was baptized into the Christian faith and he publicly proclaimed his commitment to Jesus. That is a glimpse of what God can do in ways that otherwise we might miss. And that's not the only story. I mean, if this sermon were two hours long, you can be thankful that it's not. We could tell you more stories, more glimpses of what we're experiencing together in a world that seems so dark and so difficult. We could tell stories. The glimpses that 15 people experienced this past week in Costa Rica as part of our missions trip out there. The glimpses of people who have been volunteering so faithfully with Dunbar Elementary School. The glimpses of people who will be experiencing Serve Day next Sunday at the Metropolitan Ministries Holiday Tent to help people in need, hundreds of us who will be making God's love real to brighten people's holidays. I can tell you I get glimpses of grace every Sunday night when I pick up my two daughters from Sunday night youth group and I ask them how did Merge go and they're bubbling with the things that they heard and the friendships that they're forming and the things that they're learning from their adult counselors. I know many of you could share glimpses of grace about what your children are learning in our children's ministries. I know that in upcoming weeks we're all going to get glimpses of grace when the vision team shares the plan that we've been working on for the last year in these town hall meetings that will be taking place after Thanksgiving, over and over again, there are glimpses of possibility in this place. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. If we will just open the eyes of our faith and see what God is doing all around us. And that's what Jesus was able to do. In that moment, Jesus cut through all the distractions and saw this woman do something that really captured his attention. And we might wonder why. What is it about what this woman did that stirred Jesus into the deepest place of his being? I wonder, here's what I wonder. I wonder if when Jesus saw this woman... He saw himself. As you think about it, Jesus, just like this poor widow, was an outcast, pushed to the fringe of society, powerless in relation to the religious establishment. Jesus, just like this woman, had very little to his name, just the clothes on his back. And Jesus, just like this woman, would be giving everything he had. Just four days after this event in the temple, Jesus would be hanging on a cross, literally giving everything that he had in order to change people's lives. So at that very moment, when Jesus saw this woman 
drop those coins in the temple treasury? I, I don't think that his first thoughts were, wow, that's going to be a great sermon illustration for the preachers to follow, to talk to their people about money. I bet the first thing that popped into his head when he saw her was, that's me. And if Jesus could identify with the widow in that story, here's another question. Who might you and I identify with? Might we identify with that widow who gave out of faith everything she had? Might we identify with Jesus who was able to capture these glimpses of grace in a sea full of distractions? Or, or maybe there's a third thing we can identify with. How about this? Not the widow, not Jesus. What if you and I were the coins in this story? The coins, you know, the, the lowest possible currency in the Roman economy, the, the insignificant, often overlooked, ultimately seemingly powerless coins in that story? Because that's the way you and I feel often. In a sea full of despair, we feel insignificant, we feel powerless, we feel at the bottom rung of being able to do anything. But in the hands of this woman, these two little insignificant coins made a profound impression on Jesus. What if you and I, as insignificant as we might feel, can make a profound difference when we are offered by God into the world. What if you and I were those coins in the grip of God's grace or tucked into God's pockets? And what if God's pockets have very gracious holes to where we can get poured out into a world and used as mediums of exchange for God to transform the world? I think, there's, I think there's so much power in this story for you and me, regardless of what you're feeling or, or the, the kind of life you've been living. Remember this, you matter, you have significance, and God is always at work in your life. Open your eyes to see it, and then offer yourself to be poured out as a blessing by God for the world. And you know what? If we do that, that's a pretty remarkable life. Let's pray together. So God, we thank you for the example of this woman, for the vision of Jesus, and the capacity to be your coins. We thank you, God, that you pour us out into the world to make a difference for others. Hone our vision. Teach us to see your activity in us and through us for the benefit of others. Help us to hold nothing back as we offer ourselves to you to make a difference for the world. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and let all God's people say, amen. So now is the time for us to offer ourselves to God. As we offer our financial resources through our tithes and our offerings, 
as we offer our prayer cards and the commitment of our hearts, let us invite the ushers 